you may have noticed we've changed the way we come into church. Our hope is that it helps you connect as you bump into each other in the cafe on your way and make space for the development of an area to accommodate our busy little toddlers. We're not quite there yet, but we would love parents and carers to make use of the cafe in the meantime, especially when your little one might need some space to run, play and exercise their vocal cords. There's a live stream straight into church from there too, so you won't miss out. Is it time for you to take a new step in walking more closely with God or to break through in some area? Perhaps you're wanting to connect more deeply with a group of like-minded people through a transformative six-week journey. Our impacting formation courses, Refresh and Reform, are open to register and begin soon. Refresh brings you deeper into how to walk and work with the Holy Spirit for a more empowered life. Reform helps you identify and overcome an area where you feel held back or blocked. Courses start July 26 with the weekend retreat on August 12 to 13. Register now at Kenmore.Church. For more information about anything that's happening at Kenmore Church, visit our website at kenmore.church or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We hope you enjoy the service. Pat Hegarty, one of the pastors here, great to have you with and uh, holidays are nearly done. Um, I'm on holidays next week, which is going to be a fantastic new experience for me, so I'm looking forward to having a few weeks off. It's going to be great. I'm, just, I'm really excited that... Um, we just have such a strong group of, uh, of preachers in our, uh, in our church just from our own ranks coming up. And so Zelvin, Liam and Sandy Bicken will be bringing you the messages for the next three weeks. And uh, I've heard uh, two out of three of those and they're awesome messages. So they've had one opportunity to practice at night, um, except for Liam who's preached 95 times to the trees out there um, and until he got it right and he's, he's, he's just going to kick it. So uh, please do, make sure you join us for that. Uh, they're going to be great times. But we've been um, talking about this whole idea of reasons, purpose, and I want to wrap it up, uh, and I've given you a bit of a framework, and I've, I've sort of hammered that home with all sorts of crazy illustrations, but there's, the foundation is the, the sh- uh, what should be done, uh, the four mandates that we get from Scripture. On top of that is what can be done, what could be done by me, and today we're going to talk about call. So it should, from should comes what could, and after what could be done, we get this whole concept of God's calling. And God's calling uh, is built on those other layers, so it's always in the context of community, but it's always in the context of this other thing called seasons. And so today, there are just so many, there are so many areas I could pursue when it comes to the whole idea of uh, God's calling. And all of us get it wrong at some point, uh, and hopefully some of us get it right in perceiving that call, but history's uh, smattered with people who said, I've got the call of God, you know, and you think you've got a train wreck is what you've got. You know, so we've got to, we've got to soberly approach this um, and, and reference all that we do against Scripture. And so what I want to do is um, come at it from a whole different angle because all of us will probably understand a, a term about seasons. I'm going to talk about God's calling on your life through the lens of the, the seasons of your life. So let's begin with Ecclesiastes Chapter 3, just a couple of verses there, because it talks about this whole idea of uh, the Hebrew idea of seasons. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. And then it goes on. If you've been to a funeral, you would have heard all of the uh, time to set up rocks and throw stones away, all those uh, seasons and moments in life. But he wraps it up, Solomon wraps it up in verse 11 where he says, He, as in God, has made 
everything beautiful in its time. Two key words there, made and time. And what it's saying there is the whole madeness of that. God is at work making, forming. It's a very deep Hebrew word. It's a real sense that God is involved in your life. It's that You might be going through the season, but, and it feels like the season, I'm doing this alone, but he is with you, and in whatever season of life you're in, he's forming, he's making you into somebody new in, in a way that can only be done in that season of your life. Now, we can approach seasons in many different ways. We can talk about it in a linear sense. We can map them out. Um, you know, we like to have the graph of our life. It's going up to the, the right and up. Or we can approach it uh, in age. We can say, oh, there's that infant's time of life, the adolescence, uh, young adult, and so on. There's all sorts of ways we can approach it. But what I want to stick with this idea of, uh, that the Hebrews do of cycles, but not just cycles, cycles that, that spiral up. So we keep coming back to the same seasons of life, but those seasons we come back to, uh, if the seasons have done their job, we come out at a higher place. And so when it talks about time, he has made everything beautiful in its time. So the thing that is being made is being made beautiful in its time. And there are 27 words for time in the Hebrew. So there's opportune time, there's, there's a time of the time of day, there's, there's appointed times that you can't change. There's all sorts of forms of time. But this word time is eighth, or E-T-H, it's spelled eighth as it's pronounced. And it means perfect time, appropriate time, the time that must be, and the time is not constrained by a clock or a calendar, it's the time of appropriateness. It's the time, it's just time. It's time for you. You'll know that phrase. It's just my time. And you'll understand that this is like birthing something new or it's a process that you go through and you just know that process is coming to an end or that process is beginning and you go, it's just time for that. And so there's a real obviousness. But in those times, God is forming and he's doing something particular in you. And so I could use almost any biblical figure here to illustrate this because pretty much every figure in the Bible uh, goes through this, even Jesus. There's Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, uh, Paul. They've all, you'll, if you read through the lenses that we're going to talk about today, you'll see them all in there um, and you'll identify them in your own life. And very much this message is going to be one, I think, for a number of us because as I get to do life with, with so many of us through the week uh, and I see these seasons, and you, know, and you can over-prescribe uh, a little bit with this, but there's a, there's a commonality and when you look at what Scripture is saying and, and I've had now, you know, nearly 50 years, 40 years as a Christian, three years as a Christian. Uh, I've been around the seasons long enough to know there are certain principles that aren't prescriptive, they just are. That's just what the human soul goes through. And so I want to use them to illustrate, I'm going to use the life of David to do that. So let's begin with the season that you think we normally would not, and that's autumn. Or if I'm an American, what would it be, Tanya? Fall. Fall. Autumn. I love the Australianness of autumn. Nothing's falling here. It's autumn. It's, it's a, and autumn is that time. We don't really see it in Queensland. We, ha, we have four seasons, apparently. Autumn's on a Tuesday. Winter's on a Wednesday. Then we're straight back to spring and summer again. And, and on it goes. But, but in, in other cultures, I grew up in uh, Sydney. And Sydney has very much four seasons. I used to love autumn time. And autumn in our life is... And I'm going to just bring a few facets of each season. And then you'll begin to see how this works in your own soul growth. So in the autumn seasons of our life, there's this growing awareness that God is calling you into something else or, or something more. And you hesitate 
to go there with that sort of terminology, but you know in your soul and your spirit, there's something new welling up in my life. I've been productive, I've been, I've been motoring along, but now I'm bigger now, or I'm more tired now, or life has changed for me now, but there's a sense where I'm being called into something new. And sometimes it's very obvious uh, externally, sometimes it's not. And there's a real peace about it, even though you know it's an unsettling time as well. Because it's not like you despise the past or the present. You just know it's time. It's time for me for something new. And, and something new may be something greater. It might be something different or, or whatever. You just know there's more. And it can be initially exciting for you, perhaps a little daunting. Uh, you, you look at what's ahead and you think, this is so far beyond how I can get my mind, so you go down into a bit of a denial process. But you just know that the leaves are going to change colour. And it's almost like a new door opens up for you, and you've come from a peak season as it is. Summer's just, just gone, autumn's coming in your life. And a, but a new door opens, and as it does, a door closes behind you. And it's like, oh, hang on, there's no going back. Once summer is done, summer is done at that, in that moment of your life, because autumn is an exclusive moment. And what has to happen in autumn can't happen in any other season. And so you see it many, many times in Scripture. Joseph uh, has, the, has the door open and closed from his family. He's suddenly cast out. It wasn't a very pleasant experience, but it was preceded by the vision, the dream of what's coming. Suddenly a door opens and another door shuts. Moses uh, has a vision of uh, at, the, at the burning bush. Suddenly there's a Red Sea experience. You walk through that and then it comes in behind. There's no going back now. You can't go back to Egypt. And so you start to see this dynamic in so many families, uh, so many stories. Paul, Apostle Paul, um, he's motoring in the summer of his life while he's still sore. He's persecuting the church. Suddenly Jesus reveals himself. It's, it's like, this is different. This is new. A new door open, whole other door shuts. Life gets redefined from that moment. Suddenly summer seems like a distant memory and you wonder whether you want to go back there or not, but you realise there's just no going back. And so most of us will understand and appreciate this, this autumn season. And you may also associate this with a sense of pruning. Very uncomfortable moment where you go, hang on, I think I've just been clipped. I've just been pruned. I thought I was motoring along now and I was bearing all this fruit. Then echoes in your mind from Jesus saying, every tree that bears great fruit will be pruned. And no one likes getting snipped off in that sense. It's awkward. I, I remember when... Uh, I'd left a great season of ministry and we'd been motoring for over 10 years and suddenly uh, gone into a different setting and I, and I remember saying, I feel like I've been pruned because nothing that I did before seems to work. All the stuff that you just click your fingers and it would just be fantastic, none of that's working. All that I know doesn't matter anymore. It's just, this is new. And it was very uncomfortable. But the, the joy comes when you realise I'm being invited into an autumn season because he's pruning us. Why did Jesus say that? So you can bear more fruit new fruit, but that requires this season of autumn and we've got to navigate and understand it. And when you understand the seasons, I'm not sure whether you, could, you can reduce the time of them because they, it's just the perfect time. It just has to be the time. But I'm, I'm pretty sure if I'd have known this sort of stuff when I went through them, you know, 14, 15 year seasons might have been five. So hopefully I can, I can prevent some, some anguish for you by talking it through today. So in the life of David, we see autumn begins uh, when he's still about 14 years old. Saul, King Saul, has, has proven not to be faithful and, and God's commissioned uh, Samuel to go look for a replacement, but Samuel's trying to hang on. So we pick it up in 1 Samuel 16 where the Lord says to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? 
Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to, the, to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Incredible process. David has no idea about this. All he's tried to do is be a faithful version of himself. He's 14, 15 years old. He's just a young tyke. He's the least of his family. He's just out there minding the sheep while his brothers get to go and fight the glorious wars. And he's there. But I find this so encouraging because it's even in the autumn of his life where he's proved himself before God in his youngest age. It's what he did in secret that God is about to make public. And it's in those formative precursors to autumn where we feel abandoned or we feel um, unnoticed or we feel like, what's happened to my life? What's happened to my calling? But we go through a process that we're going to talk about through the, the winter and the spring and the summer where it ceases to matter anymore and God's done such a work in us. But what we've decided in private will determine what he does with us in public. But it, it all matters about how we process the private part of our life because you cannot escape the gaze of God. The, the gaze of our world might escape you. Your boss may not promote you. All this stuff might go on. But God sees the lot and God rewards the heart. So really be encouraged. If you haven't been seen, if you haven't broke out, it will one day in your perfect time. And it's going to be the perfect time. So you don't need to be anxious about whether life's left you behind or forgotten you. It's God's forming you for your perfect time. And so what you do in private will be made public. It goes on in verse uh, 11. So Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons? So he's inspected all the other guys. They're, they're fine and handsome, but, but God's not saying yes. There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. I love this description. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance. It's like a 15-year-old Brad Pitt turns up. Six-pack, rippling arteries coming out of his arms. He's glowing with health. All the girls get... Woozy, you know, it's, man, here's, here's David, you know. And uh, I don't know how else the Bible can describe this. He's just a picture. He's just a statue to be made in marble. This guy's the deal. He had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So there's the whole glowing with health. And if we read between the lines here, that's not put in there by accident. He's glowing with, he's impressive. And what you find is that often when, when this new door opens into something else, the part of your life that you're living, you're thriving in. It's like, what, you want to change tack on me now? I'm at, the, I'm at the peak of my powers doing what I'm doing. We're having a great time here. Why would you want to shift gears now? And often it's the busiest people or the most successful people in that sense. Suddenly you think, Wow, they're the ones God's taken out of that thing and put them in something completely new and suddenly now they're disoriented and going through a whole new phase of life. So don't be surprised if you're at your peak, peak of, your, of your abilities and suddenly God goes, time for a change of direction, new door, let's shut that door. Uh, and it may be a time like it was of David, of public recognition. It was very important that his brothers and his uh, father saw that. But it also quickly can become in that same moment a time of uh, humbling. And this is where it gets awkward because it's a moment, this new door opening and then closing behind you, often you'll, get, you'll see a bit, when I say public recognition, um, someone will say, your boss at work or someone in your family or, or your pastor might say, suddenly you've come to the peak of your powers and it goes, that's what it looks like when we get it right. This is awesome. And you go, great, doors open, promotion coming. And we think, this is fantastic. And, and so David slays Goliath and he's on a roll going, here it is, I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm out. What happened there? And he goes from this automatic 
or an initial public uh, amplification of him just to let everyone know, yeah, this is the anointed one, then God goes, let's just hold that because anointing is very different from appointing. And he's not ready for the appointing. I've got to work this guy over. We all recognise the gifting, but he ain't there yet. And everyone around you normally, even though the voices of praise and the recognition or the promotions will come, everyone who dwells with you, all your friends and family know, he ain't quite ready yet. And it's very hard for them to tell you. So it's almost like, we know why it hasn't happened yet. (laughs) But bless you, it'll happen one day. So we've got to understand God's ways in the autumn season. That anointing is separate from appointing. Uh, uh, This sort of open and closed door, this anointing is an invitation to begin a process, a new process of calling. It's not the calling itself, it's calling into a process that, that becomes what God's designed. And the becoming is not a position, the becoming is a person, it's you. He, he then begins to build you into who you need to be to be your calling. So it's very different from saying, I'm, a, I'm anointed, where's the job description, where's the promotion, where's the role, where's the staff, where's all this stuff? It doesn't look like that. God's not interested in any of that. He's very interested in you as a human being becoming the calling of God in your life. So they, you start to see God's ways in this. Even Jesus went through this. Uh, anointing uh, at the baptism, the dove comes and rests on it. Even Jesus had to go through immediately into the wilderness and undergo. And then it says he, he came out of the wilderness then under the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone goes through these seasons. It just seems to be the way it works. And so how do you work with that season? It's great if you can understand it and work with it. For me, and I've seen the, the pattern in Scripture, it's time then for us to, to partner by committing to a path of humility. And it's at, at its hardest moment, because everyone else is saying they're anointed, they're the one, this is, you need to be promoted, you should, why aren't you in this role? And our choice needs to be one of, of embracing going down. Instead of looking to, and pushing to go up and opening new doors, we commit to going down and, and finding a heart of humility, because it's not the time for us to shine, but to redefine. That's what autumn's all about. It's going to be a changing of colours here now. And Sometimes the initial anointing or the, or the recognition that you're more than this is just the sign, not the substance. So then we transition into winter. So David, from that moment after he slayed Goliath, you may know the story, it's several chapters long, how he was rejected and so on for many earthly reasons. But God had to create him into who he needed to be one day. And so the winter season starts. So autumn in your life will naturally tend to go into a winter now, we, we can say that winter's negative. I, I see it far from that. I actually learned to love winters. It's only a shame they're only 24 hours long in Brisbane. Um, but but the, winter, the winter season is where God forms you, and it's great because he's forming you more or less in private because it's a heart work that he's doing. He's not so much working on your skills for life. He's working on your heart and your character and your humility and, and so on. But everything hinges on how we make the most of our winter. And it's very much the winters of our life that, that must go to their appropriate time, their perfect time. And this one will seem the longest because it's a formation time without a lot of fruit coming out of it that we would identify. But what we do here and what we become here will determine completely what the next seasons of life are going to look like. So winter is a time to endure, but it's also a time to become someone new. It's actually an incredible gift in your life to, to be ushered into the wilderness. The whole Hebrew nation... They were cut off, they had the door open, the Red Sea, the door closed, then they were ushered into, before their calling, their promised land, ushered into a time of wilderness 
And Hosea 2 talks about where they were brought out and God wanted to open up faith in their life and learn to deal with a whole new relationship. In Isaiah 49 too, it talks about um, a person in this season. He says, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. And it's identifying that moment. It's like, hang on, this guy's saying, I'm, I'm like a sharpened arrow. I'm an awesome weapon. Why isn't God using me? He's like, he's crafted me. I've been through all this already in my life and now I'm ready to go. And he goes, into the quiver you go. And, and it's only humility will get you through that, that season. And um, it's just wonderful to see what happens after that because what's done in your heart through the winter season, the other seasons don't seem to matter anymore. Uh, something shifted in your heart. But we've got to understand that God doesn't hold us back. He doesn't make the arrow and then put it in the quiver for no reason. And you've probably all experienced being stuck in the quiver for a season of life. You think, why hasn't life opened its doors for me? Why haven't I done this? It's deliberate. Not because God wants to punish you. It's not any of that. And there's no shortage of work for God to put us to. There's all sorts of um, uh, activities and assignments and things for us to do. There's no shortage. It all has to be done. And we think, well, I'm here, God. I'm saying yes. What, what, what's with the quiver thing? And it's because he needs to get the substance in us built up so we can handle those roles that he's waiting to give us. Because if we go in too soon, the role will destroy us. And he knows that. And we've got to trust his knowledge of our heart that he knows what our heart can bear. That if we were given the desires of our heart sometimes, that they would destroy us. He knows that. And so he will prepare us. And so we've got that faith at that moment looks like being prepared to wait on God. And so David needed a wilderness to grow leadership, uh, character, tenacity. 14 years he went through. 14. Day, uh, Paul went through 14. Abraham went through 25. Joseph went through 14, 16 years, something like that. My own uh, major winter season uh, was nearly 15 years because I was too dumb to recognise the season. I reckon I could have cut that short. But, you know, there's a lot of lessons there. And all that comes after that season, all of it comes from what you learnt there. So learn what you can if you're in a winter season. Learn everything you can and become all that God wants you to be because spring is coming. Summer is coming again. But what you produce there by way of fruit is fully determined by what happens in the winter season of life. And so winter is about developing character and such. It's a time where motives and your methods are tested. So you'll find in the middle of your winter season, often there'll be a little fork in the road. It's part of the process. It's part of the heart test process. A fork in the road that offers you a way out. And it's a heart test. A very attractive option to circuit break. And the confusion comes because it looks a lot like what you thought God's call on your life was going to look like. And you think, God, is this you? Silence. And it's a heart test. Look at what happens to David when he's in the... Because the thing holding him back from kingship is the current king. And so Saul, who's pursuing him, comes into the cave and, and he's there and David and his, his men are saying, here's your chance, look what God's given you. Just cut his throat now. He's sort of in the corner relieving himself. He can't see you, just... One, and you're done. It's sorted. Thank you, God. But it's a test of his heart because you, don't, you can't do God's will, man's way. And this is what the winter of your life begins to teach you is that I don't care what doors are going to open for me in the future. If I can't do it God's way, I ain't doing it because it, it'll mean nothing and it's going to collapse. So David says to his men in 1 Samuel 24, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. The Lord's anointed, or lay a hand, lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and didn't allow them to attack Saul. 
what happens then is something when we, we are prepared when no, and no one else will see these decisions that you make in your life. These, this is intensely private. It's more about what you haven't done and what you're not prepared to do than it's what you're prepared to do because it doesn't happen. The, choice, the, the moral and the character building in you says, no, I'm not going to do it that way. And this was the very purpose of the winter anyway. But once you seem to cross that bridge of character and morality, it seems to usher in a, a defining moment. And this will be a moment that you remember, and I'm hoping many of us here have remembered and experienced these moments in your life where you've crossed that threshold of deep character and faithfulness. And, and new comments start to come out. You're not talking about, God, where's my destiny anymore? What's my calling? You're saying something very different that sounds like this. Lord, it doesn't matter anymore what becomes of me. I actually don't care. It's not for me to consider, but I will be your person anyway, right where I am. Even if it's the hardest position in my life, as Job would say, even if he slay me, yet I will praise him. And it's this moment of, of deep faith that no one who hasn't been through it will be able to understand and they'll sit there like Job's friends and go, why don't you repent, why don't you do this? But in your heart, you're going, Lord, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter what this world brings, I'm going to be your person. Even if my dreams aren't fulfilled, even if the promise that I'm sure I heard right, I'm sure I heard it, it was in public, Saul was gone and Samuel anointed me, and yet Saul is still pursuing me. It all looks like it was supposed to happen, but it hasn't. I don't know where it went wrong, I don't know whether... You turned right and I turned left and you're grappling with that confusion. Yet in the midst of all that, it's well with my soul because all I can do is be faithful in the moment that I find myself right now. And this is a Christian's absolute finest hour. It's not slaying demons and, and seeing miracles. They're good fun and they've got to happen. But the finest hour that gets the, the attention of heaven is that moment where it's well with my soul regardless of what's happening in life. And I've got faith that you can do anything. But even if you don't, I'm still going to praise you. And what happens then, this is the unrecognised moment. This is the threshold into the next season, uh, which is obviously spring. And spring happens, and it's not like you see a door into spring. Spring just seems to happen. You never quite recognise the day between spring and uh, winter and spring. It's just you recognise it by the fruit. Oh, it's springtime. It still feels a bit cool, but there's fruit coming out. And what's happened is that which has been formed through the winter season now it's not what you do, it's who you are. And now the world can't hold that back. See, he was, David was formed into a leader in these times. He had all the grumblers and, and people came to him, but over the, over the 14 years that followed, it forged in him this resilience and skills of a leader. So he could even lead that ragtag bunch and make them into mighty men. He became a leader and now he couldn't help but lead. It wasn't what he had to do. He didn't need a crown on his head. He was a leader. He was already leading the nation long before they recognised it. And that's what happens in the winter season of your life. You form and you become this greater person in the darkness, in the quiver, and suddenly you can't help but bear fruit because it would be against your own character for it not to happen. It's just natural. You can't stop it. A leader has to lead. An accountant has to count. You know, a marketer must market. You just can't help it. But now it's bigger now and it's better now and there's more fruit coming out and it's easy. Whereas before it was harder. Now you can't help it and it's almost recreational. And this becomes the spring season in our life. We stop griping about what isn't done and what should be done in life, at work or at home. We don't even talk about it anymore. We just get about doing what needs to be done with who we are now. It's just such a beautiful moment. And it's almost like someone else has to tell you, what's happened to you? 
Where, where's this person come from? Where has this anointing come from? But what I love is um, what happens as you enter that season and it comes out, the pride of the previous summer is gone. And I love David later on in life, when he's in that position where the promotions come now, I love Psalm 131, he says, in the midst of that, my heart's not proud, Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. You see what's happened there? He's actually king now. It doesn't, he's king, the most powerful king that nation's ever seen and, and it's the high tide mark of Israel in global history. They've never been as great as that moment. And yet his heart, unlike probably when he was anointed and slayed Goliath, where his eyes started to look at things that were too great for him, now he's saying, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm concerning myself with you, God. I'm concerning myself with what's before me. I'm not seeking other things now. I just ams who I ams. And let the fruit be what the fruit's going to be. It's just a beautiful time of life. And that inevitably leads you to the summer period. And summer is often that moment where the appointing finally happens. You know, long past the, the moment of anointing and recognition. And it's where the, where the world recognises the fruit and the character. And they can't hold you back anymore. It's like it's just so obvious. It's just so obvious that you should be in a role or doing a thing or, or whatever it is. And the world must make way for the person who's just too big. I call it uh, being like a, a, an ostrich in a budgie cage. Um, you just, in the wintertime, you become an ostrich somehow. It's like this thing, this go away cage. And the world will do that. You don't have to fight against the world. You don't have to convince the world of who you are. Just become who you are. And the world will make way for that as it needs to. And so you don't control, you don't look to seek the upgrade. And they, this happened in David's life. They came to him. He stopped seeking, he stopped being concerned, he just led whoever God brought along. And they actually sought him out and they asked him to become king, first of Judah and then of the whole of Israel. And this summer times in our life, they're a time of high activity, high fruitfulness. You're just on a roll. It's almost like things can't go wrong. It's just recreational fruit and, and you're just motoring along. And summers can last a long, long time. And, um, and they build a momentum of their own uh, where what you couldn't make happen in the winter just happens without any effort in the summertime. There's fruitfulness, there's promotion, there's blessing, it's high productivity, all those sorts of things. And, and just as winter makes us look sort of worse than we really are, we know we're better than this, summer actually makes us look better than we are. It's like, you know, we think, man, I, I'm tempted to think, oh, look at, look at me now or whatever it is, you know, but it, you've got to be careful of the heart all the time because it can make you look better than you really are. Don't ever forget the winter. Don't forget what it looked like to become humble. Because what happens in the, in the summer times of our life, they need to be managed very well because it's in the summers of our life where we fall. It's the summers of our life where we drift, where we get mission drift, heart drift, where we get off track because we're not under the crucible of pressure anymore. We're not under the crucible of questioning our motives and, and, and just locking into God just to get through today. Now it's easy. Now it's coming easy. Even when you're a minister and you'll find that ministers particularly, we see them fall, don't we? Every week almost, it looks like, man, this guy's at the height of their powers and they're tripped up and they're gone. What happened? They entered summer and they stopped dealing with the heart stuff and they drifted. And they were just so much easier to, to trip up because they, they weren't forced by the circumstances and season to keep considering their heart every day. And so be on guard. The, the summers are a great time and, uh, and yet they're the time of highest um, potential trouble. So we've got to manage our heart really, really well. So living in your season, you'll notice through all what I've described there, the only thing that's under your control 
is your heart and your actions. You can't control circumstances. There's very little about this world you can control. It's a fallacy. We can't do it. All we can control is us, our own responses, our own authenticity with God, our own faith, and leave the rest to him. But the seasons, if they do their work, will ensure that we cease striving to make things happen and we start living from striding, with a D, not with a V, striding in God's power. And it's such a different life. It's a life of permanent Sabbath in that sense. You can, you can be motoring along and everyone's going, how are you managing this? It's, well, because it's summer. I'm just, I'm just doing it. This is the capacity that many years have built in and such. But the key with every season is we, we hear a message like this and I'm hoping you'll go back uh, and, and hear it again if you, if you need to. But you need to understand every fruit in the human soul has its own, every season has its own fruit to bear. We might think, oh, I'm in winter, I'm checking out, I'm tapping out. No, no, every, this is, you know when Jesus in, in the Gospel of Mark walks up to the fig tree and, and he curses it? It's very unlike Jesus, isn't it? We think, this is really out of character, but there's a whole context because the fig tree is representing his people and they're unfruitful. But, the, but it's, it's, it says it's out of season and yet the fig tree was in leaf. And he's, and he's gone up and gone, oh, they shouldn't, because where there's leaves on a fig tree, there's supposed to be fruit. You can't have leaves without fruit. And he's looked at the fruit and, he's, and he gets angry because where's the substance? And the creator has the right to look for fruit in every season of life. If, you've got to show the, if you're going to show the fruit, show the substance. And he's much more interested in the substance than he is with the, with the flashy. So it's not about looking good. It's not about looking happy and, oh, I'm an overcomer. God's only interested in your heart. But there's heart fruit for every season in life. And so whether you're in winter or spring or in autumn, whether it's tough or whether it's easy, there's actually fruit for you to bear. So if it's an autumn, the fruit is the fruit of repentance. It's a time of change. It's repentance. And repentance isn't always a negative, shameful thing. It's not always, I'm sorry, God. Quite often repentance is, I need to change the way I've, I'm thinking because it's now slowing me down, it's now stopping me, it's, it's wrong, I need to shift. It's a moment of repentance, changing your direction in life, turning to something. That's the appropriate fruit of our autumn season. So if you're in an autumn, if you've had that change, if you're feeling a bit pruned, it's a time of rethinking, uh, how have I lived in life that's now no longer acceptable for where I need to go. The fruit of winter is the fruit of the Spirit. It's literally... because. The winter season is where you learn to live from God, not for God. Because you can only live for God as much as you're able to learn how to live from God. But it's in the winter season where you learn, man, I'm under so much uh, internal you know, strain right now, I can only lock into and lean on the Spirit. And so the fruit of that is the fruit of the Spirit itself, Himself. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. It's just like I get to this point where mm, I'm just living from God now and nothing else really matters. That's the fruit in winter. Springtime, it's the fruit of character. It's the new fruit of the character that's been built in the wintertime. So there should be natural buds. You don't have to tell people about it. They'll tell you. And summer, it's the fruit of the harvest. It's harvest time. So there's obvious fruit from the ministry or, or the life or the role that you're doing. But the key in living in our season, because we're all here in a season, one of those four, if you like. The key in all of those is to find God and find peace where you are. Don't, don't worry about striving to get yourself out of that next season because it's only going to happen in its perfect, appropriate time. So Daniel comes to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, oh king, I wish it wasn't for you. Uh, it's not too late to repent. 
um, but you're going to suffer seven times uh, until you learn a bit of humility and recognise that God is a true God. And sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, and, it's, and, the, and it doesn't say seven years, it's seven times. In, in, in other words, perfect, seven is perfect, the perfect and appropriate time. So he had to go through whatever he had to go through to get to the point where he was able to become the king that God needed him to be. It just had to take as long as it takes. So we just got to come to grips with, it's okay because I can find God and I can bear fruit, whatever that season. Emmanuel, God is with you in whatever season you are in life. And so your calling primarily is to find God in that season of life. We've looked at what should, we've seen what could be done by me, but, but then on top of that, the icing on the cake is living from God in whatever season of life you're in. And now and again, he'll call you from within that. Paul, Paul we recognise, I think it's um, Acts, might be 16, where he's, he's motoring, he's in the green light zone, everything's just green, he's just saying, I'm, I'm just going to preach the gospel. Suddenly, God goes, stop, I need you to turn right and come over here because we need you in, in Ephesus, I think it was. There are moments like that, but you can't live your life waiting from moment to moment because they are so sporadic. They're the exception where he does that. Normally, the mode that we can all live from is what should be done, what could be done by me, and what season of life am I in? What's the context of who I am and where does that take me next? Because you're responsible for the, for the inner workings of your soul and working with God in that space. So we've got to find God where we are. So what I'd love to do as the band comes up is just, and I realise I've gone long, I apologise for that, but I had to finish that one off, is just bless you in the season of your life. Because in every season, none of them are negative. None of them are negative. They're all positive. They all have their work to do. And so I want to pray God's blessing on all of us in every season of your life, if that's okay, while the band's playing. So let's come together in prayer now and just recognise his presence. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to manifest yourself in this place. We've sung of miracles and change, and I believe you've, you've healed hearts. There are people who aren't in this room tonight, today that have been impacted by your spirit. There's been healings, there's been hope. And we think of those who aren't here and we bless them. We bless those who are struggling who aren't here. We bless those who are here and struggling. And so I want to pray into the seasons of life. And, and so for those of us who are in the autumn season, you feel a little disrupted within the changes of your life and tripped up after a season of fruitfulness. What's going on? You might feel pruned and clipped and cut off. And so I pray you with a calmness, a blessing of calmness in your heart and peace in your mind. God knows the beginning from the end and he's ushering you into a new place. I bless you with that and may you dream bigger dreams and see greater things. For those many of us in the winter season, feeling a little lost, a bit alone, perhaps inadequate, forgotten, I bless you today with the knowledge of sufficiency of God. Look to Him. If you're feeling disillusioned, disappointed, overlooked, forgotten, I bless you with the knowledge of God as your defender and your advocate. He intercedes for you right now, sending the Spirit to give you strength. I bless you with the faith to endure to become all that you must be and to learn to stride without striving. For those in the springtime of their life, may God bless your new fruit. May you see what's new in what you do and who you are. I pray you'd break through in thankfulness and joy 
that you'd appreciate the time that you're in, the season that's coming, and may you see the impact of God who has made you to be who you are today. I want to bless those who are in the summertime, fruitfulness, fraught with a little bit of danger. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His faith shine upon you in this hot season. May He do more through you than you could ever do alone. May He guard your heart, bless your path. May He protect you, keep you from all evil. So Father, I pray your hand and your blessing and Lord, the gift of your presence on everybody here that they would not only identify their season, but embrace it. Lord, we trust you in the perfection of your time, that you have made us beautiful in your time. We thank you for that. We thank you for the seasons. We thank you, Lord, you never leave us or forsake us.